I'm happy now to introduce tonight's moderator, Jory Finkel. Jory Finkel is the arts reporter for the Los Angeles Times. Before joining the Times, she covered the Southern California art scene as a frequent contributor for the New York Times. She was also a contributing editor for Art and Auction Magazine, where she previously served as senior editor. Jory's writing has appeared in Art in America, Art News, Details, Esquire, Flash Art, and Legal Affairs. Please give a warm welcome to Jory Finkel. I'd like to introduce our panelists tonight. We have two curators and two artists on board, and they're the reason you're here. Starting with Patrick Polk to my left, who is curator of Latin American and Caribbean popular arts at the Fowler Museum, and a lecturer in the Department of World Art and Cultures at UCLA. He developed the exhibition Productos Latinos, the Latino sign painting tradition in Southern California at the Los Angeles Craft and Folk Art Museum in 2004, and most recently curated the show that's here tonight, I hope you've all seen it or you'll have a chance to see it after the panel, um, called Street Art, Photographic Elevations of Los Angeles, Paris, and Berlin by Larry Eust. Uh, Don't hold your applause. You can applaud whenever you want. Man One has been part of the graffiti art movement since 1987 and is the owner of Cruist, the longest-running Los Angeles gallery devoted to graffiti. His art has been showcased in over 40 group shows, eight one-person shows, and at several museums and galleries, including MoCA, the Getty, Orange County, and Parco Museum in Tokyo. His artwork has also been featured in a number of publications, including the Washington Post and New York Magazine. Thank you, Man One. And now we have Aaron Rose, our artist, writer, musician, film director, and independent... That's a lot. Artist, writer, musician... Film director and independent curator, and I can vouch for the fact that he's done all of those. For 10 years, he was owner and director of the Alleged Gallery in New York. He selected the artist for the Undefeated Billboard Project, which you may know, a public art project in Los Angeles produced in conjunction with Nike. He is co-curator of the forthcoming MOCA exhibition on street art and of the exhibition Beautiful Losers, Contemporary Art and Street Culture. He is also co-editor of ANP Quarterly, a free arts magazine produced in conjunction with RVCA. Good to have you here, Aaron. And before my voice gives out on me, Retina has participated in over 30 international exhibitions with works in the public realm since the mid-1990s. He created the solo exhibition Silver Lining during Art Basel Miami as part of Primary Flight, the world's largest street-level mural installation. He also produced Desaturated, a solo exhibition at New Image Art Gallery in Los Angeles. And in 2011, he'll be included in the Art of the Streets exhibition at MoCA, and he'll make his New York solo debut in February. So, glad to have you all on board. Um, I have to admit, I've been writing about art for a while now, pretty much since I graduated from college. So um, that would be about 20 years. But it's only relatively recently that the power of street art, um, the pervasiveness of street art, the the, the kind of impact of street art in our culture really hit home with me. Um, And that's when I was teaching a class at Otis, which is not so far from here, and teaching a writing class called Popular Art Writing, where I let the students write about the subjects of their choice in the fashion of their choice, in the format of their choice. 
Um, and the subject of their choice, whether this, these were 18-, 19-year-old students, some of them were studying photography, sculpture, fine art, some of them were studying fashion, architecture, animation, um, video game design, and the subject across the board that they wanted to write about was street art. They weren't interested in reviewing the new shows in Culver City. They were interested in reviewing you know, pop-up shows downtown. Uh, they weren't talking about John Baldessari at LACMA. They were talking about Banksy's show. At the t- this was four years ago, so Banksy was very much part of, part of the consciousness then. They weren't reading the magazines I write for, like Art in America. Uh, they were reading Juxtapose. Mm-hmm. And it really became clear to me, it was, it was really eye-opening for me in some ways, that here I am sitting with a future generation of artists and art lovers, and this is where their attention is. And so I was thinking about that on my way over to the panel tonight, and I thought that might be an interesting point of departure for us as a group, that I'd be curious from each of you to hear about your experience, if there was a moment or an example you can give us, of when it became clear to you that street art was a real phenomenon that went beyond the street artists themselves who obviously naturally care about it, um, but really became a cultural phenomenon or force to be reckoned with. Anyone want to jump in on that one? Um, I I feel pretty much when when I started, when I became introduced to it, it was already a phenomenon, you know, and I was just wanting to be a part of it. And so for me, it was always kind of big. I I don't feel like... uh, it feels like we already believed in that. Maybe the public at large took a little longer to mm-hmm. accept that, and but it took a lot of artists along the way, I think, too, uh, by all the work that they did individually, it kind of helped the whole group, and then maybe that's how come it you know, won the hearts of maybe just the common people that didn't really participate in that. And crossed over into something a little bigger. Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, with Retina. That's that's one of the reasons I got involved in graffiti art. Um, you know, was because I was already seeing what was going on in New York on the trains. Um, you know, I had been seeing uh, in the streets of L.A. You know, different different crews that were doing big things in the early '80s that I was, you know, awed by. Um, you know, one of the things. Um, you know, before I start, I also want to talk. I, I want to say something real quick. Um, a couple of days ago, we lost uh, a graffiti artist by the name of Dash 2000 from the UTI crew. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say rest in peace to Dash 2000. Um, you know, because one of the things about graffiti that I love is that um, it's, it's, a, it's a culture. Um, it's something that we share. Uh, whether whether we, we know each other personally or not, um, we have this culture that we all understand. So, um, you know, I can travel um, halfway around the world and have a place to stay, um, you know, have a place to paint, and have, have a, a tour guide, you know, just spontaneously, who might not even speak my language, but because we have this commonality in, uh, in, in graffiti art, um, you know, that, that crosses all boundaries. So to me, that's one of the beauties uh, about, about graffiti art. I think, you know, I've been, I've been in this game, because to me it is a game, street art. Um, what do you mean by that? It's a it's a fun game, but it's, I mean, you have to kind of keep a sense of humor about it. I think I think if if you start taking stuff that's illegal or, you know, um, you know, exists on still to this day on the fringes of society and probably will continue to, um, 
um, if you start taking it too seriously, you kind of, uh, I don't know, take the fun out of it, you know? And part of the reason that I'm attracted to work in these vernaculars, skateboarding, graffiti, punk, hip hop, all that stuff, is because it's fun. Um, and if it wasn't fun, I'd be way, at, way far away from it. Because art should be fun. Um, and when it's not, get away. <laughs> um, but when I first got into it, there was no culture around it. There, wasn't, uh, there were no magazines dedicated to it unless they were photocopied magazines um, or really inexpensively produced, you know, homemade graffiti magazines, homemade skateboard magazines. Um, but th- I think it has to do a lot with just a generational shift and the fact that I come from a generation that, along with, you know, 13, 14 million other kids, grew up with this stuff as our daily cereal in the morning, you know? And, and I think that every generation kind of has their thing, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the 60s had, like, flower power, you know what I mean? And they had daisies and peace signs and all that. And, then, and the next generation following that kind of got, like, punk and graffiti. And then that sort of became sort of the permeated the culture, you know? And I think it just has to do with a lot of, like, with, with a generation growing up on it, and it becomes their cultural frame of reference. And I, I don't know if it was, in, if it's so much about even, like, that it's so important, it's just that it's what we know, you know, and it's a language that this generation speaks. And even more importantly, sort of like the generation just slightly younger than I am, I think are the ones who have really, because um, I'm 41, are the ones who are just younger than me are the ones who really, I think, have been able to, to kick it up into becoming something that is talked about in the mainstream um, and brought interest from, from mainstream society because for the most part, you know, it's a, there's a lot of kids that are into this stuff, and so people see that as somebody who can be marketed to. And when you want to market to somebody, you use a vernacular that they understand. And graffiti, drippy letters, sells cereal. You know? <laughs> and I think that has a lot to do with it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much yeah. does that bother you guys? I mean, having been in the field for so long, to watch... To watch the big, to watch Nike. I mean, are you are are you grateful on the one hand? Are you appalled on the other? Well, I, I, I think there's some companies that that um, take the time to um, understand it a little bit better, and um, and for 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 good or bad, they they have the ability to help and to acknowledge it by lending their corporate. Uh, entity, you know, uh, where you can have uh, graffiti or street art kind of um, promoting their brand. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that probably don't like to see that. Um, there's some, you know, artists that I think uh, can can benefit, uh, you know, greatly from that, and they can also do things uh, financially uh, by the projects that they do that maybe normal resources or galleries can't, can't do. So they, they, they can produce you know, big billboards and, and what have you and maybe give the artists other opportunities um, and other venues of how to showcase their work. So I'm pretty sure there's good and bad things that come from it. I think from a graffiti standpoint, 
um, uh, at least a lot of the artists that I've, I've grown up with, I, I think you feel more disrespected when you see a graphic designer trying to copy a real graffiti artist exactly. as opposed to just hiring a real artist, you know, to actually do it. You know, I think that's probably one of the big things that probably comes up in this community. And then I think the corporate world could then be affected by that because if they're not hiring someone that actually knows what they're doing, then the repercussions that come from that is the culture backlashes against it and says that their company is fake or, you know, doesn't take the time to understand what it is that they're doing. So, something like that, I think. Yeah. Uh, I want to say something real quick also on, on Aaron's point about, about street art not taking it too seriously. Um, that's not my point of view. Um, to me, it's been my, um, it's what saved me, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, he can have his opinion. And as an artist myself, uh, graffiti is what liberated me from, um, from just being any other kid on the street, you know? It also uh, gave me uh, uh, a vision that I didn't know existed. Um, it also gave me purpose, you know? Um, at the time when I was uh, 16 years old and easily influenced, I could have very easily gone into a gang um, and instead I chose to be a graffiti writer. And um, I've had guns pulled on me, I've been shot at, um, you know, pull, knives pulled on me. So uh, to me that's serious, you know? Um, and regardless, I continue to do the art form that I love. Um, so I, you know, I, I agree it should, it should stay fun. I, you know, I like the fun aspect of it. Um, and, and obviously now I'm not 16 years old, I have kids now, and, and, and I have to pay the bills and all that kind of, kind of deal. So I'm not out there running around, you know, bombing freeways or anything like that anymore because it just wouldn't make sense for me now. But it's still fun because, um, you know, it's, it's the type of art I love to do. Um, also, being a gallery owner, I love, you know, uh, these young kids coming up and, and what they're doing and how they're pushing the envelope. Um, and I also want to make a distinction that we... Um, not everyone might know, but when we use the word graffiti art or graffiti um, as opposed to street art, to me it's two different things. Um, street art is like an all-encompassing kind of thing that I don't even know where the line is on who is a street artist and who isn't. Um, you know, sometimes you see these kids who sit at home and do stuff on the computer and then do a printout and then go wheat paste it on the corner and now they're a street artist. Um, and maybe that's, that's what it is now, you know? I don't know, but where I came from in graffiti, um, you know, it took a lot of years of practice, dedication, going out there, bombing, piecing, uh, you know, learning how to write your name, learning about tools. And then the, the whole other thing about a code of ethics, code, you know, a code of conduct, it's like you respected the people who came before you, um, and it was passed down generation to generation. And that's how we learn the rules, you know, because there's rules in graffiti. Um, and in street art, maybe there isn't that many rules, I guess. Um, but that's, that's the nature of the game, and maybe things are just changing. And, um, and that's cool, too, you know, because that's the beautiful thing about graffiti that I love is that it's always evolving. You know, there's always a new thing being put on the, on the horizon that you didn't even think about before. I mean, now there's, you know, uh, there's all kinds of, of, of things that people are bringing to the game. So it's not just, uh, you know, some people are talking about banning spray cans and and changing the, the level, the, the, the age of um, people who can buy aerosol cans to 21 and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's all BS because even if you took every spray can, you know, 
um, out, of the, out of the picture, people will still create graffiti. You know, because there's a need, there's an innate need for us to voice who we are. And, and to me, that's serious, you know, because especially in this, this day and age, with what's going on out there, if you see something that's, that's not right, I can just go out there and say it. And I don't need, I don't need anyone to, to buy me a billboard. I don't need anyone to, to buy me ad space. I'll just go and do it, you know, and that's the attitude that, that a lot of these artists have, which is, um, which, uh, kind of pisses people off because you know what, you know, there's graffiti writers on the streets saying things, they're in galleries, they're in museums, um, they're, they're on Nike ads, they're, they're everywhere, you know, and, you, and that's why we're here tonight, that's why it's sold out tonight to be here because the voice we have is very strong, you know, and it, 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 it kind of infiltrates into all different medias, you know, it's online, it's on the streets, um, it's wherever a voice can be heard, that's where we are. If I can pick up a little bit on the issue of voice and seriousness, and I think for me, the broad subject matter of graffiti or street art, how, how you define it, uh, for me, it, it's not so much when it first sprang itself on me and my realization of, wow, there's something important happening here, but uh, much more for me, it's the constant reminders and exactly the sort of the, the you're mentioning someone who had passed on, the need to recognize to recognize very special things. And for me, I think most clearly when I think about it here sitting now is uh, a week or so ago, my wife and I were driving down a street that we frequently go down, so very familiar with it. And as we're driving by, something caught my eye off to the side of what is a normally white painted wooden fence. And some kind of graffiti, something is there. And so I it compelled me to look up just a, a second longer, just a second longer, to see a face of, spray-painted face of somebody, apparently a young man, uh, framed by numbers and lettering. So my wife and I were late for an appointment, but I said to her, I gotta come back, I have to take a closer look at this. And so took her home, and then when I got my camera, and I came back, and so I come back to this place I've driven by many times and never taken a second look whatsoever. It's just a, it's a white painted fence. Uh, and so I come back and I park and I get out and walk up and then I start to realize here are some flowers, here are some candles and then on this white fence is this beautiful spray painted face of a, of a child and above it are, is a name, the name of this person and below is obviously clear that on January 3rd, 2011, this person died. And not in that, this person died right here. And then I look more, and here's the shattered glass from the car. I look at the tree that's by there, and here's a tree with obviously been severely damaged. I look closer. Here's a white ribbon wrapped around the tree on which people have written things, graffiti, if you will, on this ribbon. We miss you. We love you. You're our angel. We don't know how. And so for me, it's how does some space that has really no meaning suddenly becomes a place. It's a place of grieving, it's a place of death, a place of remembrance, a place of overcoming loss, of just recognizing. And now for the rest of my life, that could never be just a white fence. I mean, it is special. And I think that for me is what captivates me with this art form is that all this meaning that can be inscribed there that to, 
that lays out lives that I never would have touched otherwise. And for me, it's so powerful, so, so powerful. So thank you. Thank you for folks that bring this type of art to us. Was there art made in response to the artist you mentioned who died? Yeah, actually, uh, I think UTI crew is doing something uh, this Saturday. Uh, they're doing a big mural, um, I believe, over on Washington uh, to commemorate uh, um, you know, Dash 2000's life, mm -hmm. so, which is a common thing in graffiti, just like you mentioned. It's like, you know, um, uh, when someone passes, um, we like to at least commemorate them with, with, with the way we know how, you know? Yeah, you want to do the things that they love doing, you know? Yeah. And that's why... And you miss that you're not going to continue to have that relationship with them. I mean, that's one of the things that interests me about um, the artists I've met who consider themselves street artists is how collaborative you guys are at various points. I mean, there may be a practice you do on your own, too, mm -hmm. but... Um, you know, once, once upon a time, we had an image of an artist, this image of a starving artist. Well, that's no longer true in our society, right? Lots of artists are doing quite well for themselves. Some artists are. Um, but the starving artist somewhere, you know, in his garret, making paintings all by his lonesome, maybe with a model there to keep him company. And, and, and there, there are so many different kinds of art being made today where people are working together. But this seems to me to come out of a community impulse more than so many art forms. I mean, both of you have done like massive collaborations before. Yeah. And your gallery, um, maybe you can say a couple words about the gallery too, because running a gallery is, you're an artist who runs a gallery right. and how interesting that is. Yeah, um, you know, the thing about collaborations is um, I think it's, it's very weird because um, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things in graffiti that don't always make sense because um, most graffiti artists that I know are super like egomaniacs, you know, um, and it's all about them and their name and putting it up everywhere, and that's that's how people get started in graffiti. But at the same time, there's this there's this sense of you know you need to do it with the crew. Well, you don't always need to do it with the crew, but most people choose to do it with the crew because you need you need backup or you need uh, someone to look out for you or it's it's just it's just a lot more fun for for five guys to try to go up on a bridge than just you by yourself. So, uh, you know, there's different reasons why people... Well, you also want to get away. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so uh, yeah, exactly. And, 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 so, and so what happens is it's, it's, re it's really weird because these artists will, um, you know, will work very, very diligently on their own style and their own stuff all the time, but yet they can just flip a switch and they're painting with 10 guys on a 100-foot wall the next day. And, um, you know, if you look back in history and then the way artists, you know, generally tend to work, it, it's not like that at all. And so um, it makes sense if, if artists like ourselves have that talent, why doesn't, you know, like, uh, like uh, the city utilize that talent, you know? Why don't they hire us to work with youth and, 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 and create huge walls? And, you know, um, one, thing, one thing that I heard... Um, uh, 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 you know, basically, like running a gallery, though, to come back to your point, is a little bit different because um, you know it's not always as uh, spontaneous as as I'd like it to be, and also there's there's different things involved, you know. So um, it's very difficult to run a gallery being an artist. Um, um, you know, just in my own experience, it's been, it's I love doing both. I love curating shows. I love bringing in new artists. I love selling their work. 
meeting new people, but at the same time, sometimes the, you know, my work suffers because I don't have the time you know, to be out there on the streets or, or traveling around the world right now you know, doing massive walls that I would very much love to be doing. Um, so there's a little bit of a trade-off sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's part, of, part of the goals that I've set, my, set for myself in, 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 in what I want to do with my art. Um, one of the things about the gallery um, is that um, I like to be as inclusive as possible. Um, I like to work with, with different people, different artists, all crews. I mean, I've had, I've had shows where I've had rival crews in the same show at the same time. And, and, and it goes off without a hitch, and people are like, how, do you, how are you able to do that? You know? And it's like, well, I don't like to get involved in, in the, those politics with these people and like to show them the bigger picture. You know? And so that's kind of how I run the gallery. You know? um, but it, it's, it's, to me, it's still one of those things where I, I learn every show and, 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 and all that, just, just how important these artists that we're working with are and how talented they are and um, how really um, this is a, a group of artists, a, a, a way of, of thinking that can really change the landscape out there, um, not just in the art world, but socially. You know? I mean, these artists um, you know, have, have really, really clear visions of how we can change the world, and um, you know, I'm glad you guys are here to start listening. You know? <laughs> to, to speak on the collaboration tip, um, also, I meant no disrespect by saying that. No, I mean, it wasn't that I didn't think it, artists yeah. don't take themselves seriously, but yeah. you got to admit it's a cat and mouse game out there. Yeah. That's the, that's the yeah. game. I you know? um, But I don't necessarily think that collaboration is new with this group. I mean, if you look back at all major movements in art throughout art history, there's always been a crew of people. That, I mean, the abstract expressionism started in a bar in New York. With, maybe they weren't painting on each other's paintings, but... It's a group of people who come together in a small community and help each other up. And that happened with punk, and that happened with pop art to a certain degree. I mean, Andy Warhol's factory could be considered a very similar kind of, I mean, it's one city, but there were different versions of that in all over the world where these kinds of things were happening. I think artists by nature, especially avant-garde artists, yeah. are ostracized from the mainstream art world. And for years and years and years, every, every important movement, at least that I can think of in art history, sprung from a collaborative experience with a group of artists who worked together to build their own world. And then that world became solid enough and defined enough that it became part of the mantle of art history. And I think we're just looking at another one of, not, not another to- Another ism, but it's not it's, ism. And it's a wonderful ism and it's a, massive globalism that yeah. goes way outside of the art world, yeah. which is really exciting, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's Andy Warhol's vision come true. He had to emulate it and fictionalize this idea of public consumer, consumer culture being artwork. We've actually gotten to the point where the art has permeated the culture, and now it's just a question of convincing certain city authorities that that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That it's not going to stop. Um, what do you feel like are the biggest challenges then in terms of the city and authorities and, I mean, the police? Just I, I think, um, you know, when, you know, graffiti or street art, what have you, you know, when you're, when you're doing something, you're not really looking for any kind of... Um, permission 
or you're, you're just going to do it. And obviously that's a very defiant act. And it's not something that can easily be tamed. You know, you could, you could maybe get a couple of people to agree, but that doesn't mean you could get the whole movement to agree, you know. And um, when, when maybe people have a voice and they are being... Um, maybe defiant, but in a fun way. You know, they're not out trying to hurt anyone. They just want to paint on things and beautify them and what have you. Um, but the act of it is still probably considered a political, you know, thing. And it's kind of hard to find a way that can, um, where you can appease that, that kind of institution. Um, but in a weird way, that's probably what makes it so strong, is, is that passion, that... Um, you're willing to kind of risk all those things to kind of uh, uh, to make that kind of work. And I'm sure that's been, you know, when I was young, you know, I could agree with Man One. You know, I was very influenced by the gang culture here in L.A. Um, I had a lot of people that uh, as much as I wanted to join them at some points, they they always said, hey, look, you come here, you can hang out with us, but you could you could just paint here. And there's there's nothing here for you, why don't you just keep going and doing what you're doing? And I, I, I felt uh, very grateful for, for that. So those were the people that I usually used to look for for permission, mm-hmm. were the people running the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. not really the politicians that don't go there. It was the guys that <laughs> would make sure you could leave safely <laughs> if you wanted to, because you're painting on you know, very territorial areas, you know, where a lot of that work was taking place. You know, there's, there's affluent neighborhoods where, you know, um, where you might not see it as much. You know, there's yards and, and, and what have you, but there's, there's a lot of, I think, dynamics that kind of take into to place when, when you're actually doing the work, you know, and you have to be really respectful and understand kind of the nature of, of how the city actually works um, before you could just go out and... and, and just building on that, I was going to say one thing, and that is that the one thing that I still think that I, I think freaks people out, um, including law enforcement, is the connection to gangs and gang graffiti in particular. Do you guys make a distinction between gang graffiti and street art? Well, well, my work is influenced by gang writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I can't deny that, but I also can do the traditional wild style pieces. Um, it was something that I was just fascinated by. I know a lot of people from different neighborhoods, you know, and I really like the work, the old English, and, you know, I love uh, Chaz Bajorquez. He was another uh, big influence uh, in, in, in my career. He gave me my first show. And um, <clears throat> I, I, I just love the way the, you know, it's a very territorial look. It's a very, um, you know, you're trying to protect a neighborhood and what have you. And I actually incorporate that in my, in my work. So I, I could see what you're saying. Is there a distinction? Some people um, can see the obvious things, you know, but, but what Man One was saying earlier, it, it, it did save a lot of people from actually going into that route. I know there's a lot of people that went into the gang route and came back to the graffiti realm of where they actually started. Um, after they went there and they saw kind of the damages that were done, they were able to come back and kind of uh, inspire young kids maybe because, you know, 
they could inspire them in a way like, hey, look, I've been there. I did that, but now I'm coming back to my root. And you don't have to go there. So it, 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 it's tough, you know. There, there's no question about it. But I think when the city is not more supportive of people that want to just express themselves, they run the risk of losing them to, you know, um, the gang culture, uh, if, if you want to call it that, you know? Yeah, in terms of uh, uh, differentiating between uh, gang graffiti and, 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 and you know, a graffiti art or, or street art or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, there is definitely uh, a difference, and the difference is the intent. Um, the intent of the, uh, of the writing that goes on the wall is, is very different. Um, you know, when we do, when we do walls, where um, you know we may be putting up our name, but it's in a it's in a way of decorating the city. It's in a way of, of beautifying the walls. It's in the way of uh, of promoting um, our art form. Um, when gangs do it, it's typically uh, sending a message, uh, usually about territory, and that's that's the difference. You know, in essence, what it is. Um, like Retina said, there's definitely a lot of artists who have been influenced by it. And, and that's what makes L.A. graffiti so different than graffiti in any other city. Um, and one of the things I noticed right off the bat, like I remember the first time I went to Germany, um, was um, we were painting on the wall, and this 80-year-old lady walked by and um, was like, you know, this is a cool wall that everybody's painting and blah, blah, blah. And um, I remember I asked her if she was offended by it or didn't like it, and she was like, no, you know, it's just kids doing what kids do. And in L.A., you, 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 I don't know if you'd ever hear that in L.A., but, um, you know, one of the things in L.A. is if, and I'm sure this happened you know, to, to a lot of writers, um, not just myself, you'd be out there doing a, a, a commissioned piece, but just because you have a spray can, you'll have cops, you know, pull you to the side and, and put guns at you. Um, you know, you'll have people honking and flipping you off, and you'll have people uh, uh, try to call... Uh, uh, you know, try to call and get the, 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 the building owner to erase the mural and all that kind of stuff. And it, be, it, comes because, it comes from the fact that in L.A. there is a history of gang graffiti and there's this connotation that, that a spray can or that graffiti, um, you know, denotes violence. And so people are afraid of the violence associated with gang graffiti. And, you know, in the early 90s and late 80s when LAPD and whoever else decided to just throw in graffiti writers as the batch of, of gang members in L.A., um, they made it official. And so after that happened, you know, it, it, it got really dangerous for people um, who were doing graffiti. didn't matter if you were you know, painting happy faces or doing uh, you know, your, your block letters on the corner. Everyone was a target. And so um, there has been that history in L.A. that's been really difficult to overcome. I don't know if we'll ever overcome it uh, fully. But um, it, 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 it's what makes L.A. L.A., you know? And that's one of the things that we both love and we hate, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that it's so crucial to really to, to think through the reality that art and aesthetic expressions and styles sometimes, as, as Aaron was saying earlier, all too easily transcend their contexts, can move out and be co-opted in various ways. Yet at the same time, often the artists are not allowed that same freedom. In fact, you don't actually get out of the box. That, oh, if you're doing this style and you look a certain way or we're perceiving a certain way, then you, you don't get out. You don't get to move into the sort of freedom that the art, so that you're selling Cheerios or Rice Krispies with, mm. with graffiti styles, it can go to new contexts. Sometimes you can experience that where the liberation, and, and this is, 
unfortunate thing. Leave the country, right? Mm-hmm. You go to Germany and suddenly, oh, you're an artist. Or you're just a kid, right? And that's the kind of thing that often we just don't, we don't allow that kind of freedom or ability to move to people that create some of these art forms when right in front of us. Well, I've, I've, I've been fascinated by, you know, if, if you want to call it the new part of this movement, um, uh, whether it's part of hip-hop, if people agree with that or not, still started kind of in America, the new form of it. And where you can look at a lot of the uh, European countries, which have been around a lot longer and have understood art for a lot longer, seem to be a little bit more supportive. Maybe they don't agree with it, um, but the companies and the people, you know, a lot of the tools that are made, where in America a lot of those things were, were stifled, and where a lot of these European countries, they've actually been a little bit more supportive. And, and by doing that, the work has excelled, where maybe sometimes in America it, it declined at, at, at some point. Not, not, not everywhere, not with everyone. Um, and I've always found that to be somewhat kind of fascinating. Is it because um, we are a new country and we haven't yet... Uh, been around long enough to understand maybe the importance. You know, you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that goes on. I, I highly doubt that we all agree with things that go on in politics and what have you. But that is part of the relationship of of, of being from a place and, and sharing space. And I think with, with graffiti a lot of times, um, <clears throat> you know, if you have a lot of money, you could you could, you know, bombard someone with ads and you know uh buy this buy that buy you know see this ad watch this movie and you know you don't really have a choice you know you have to look at it maybe you tune it out or what have you and with with graffiti art it's kind of just reclaiming back that public space maybe without the financial resources that are provided you know another entity or company or corporation well that's interesting thing too about so many of the um, corporate projects is, you know, to what extent you as artists have control. You know, if you're driving it, you know, in, in you know, you look at what you're doing um, with a t-shirt and then with shoes and then with tattoos or whatever, um, that you're driving a lot of different lines of products in a way well, that, I, I think you know, the artist as entrepreneur, basically, mm-hmm. like you're a one-man shop. And I don't know if you think of yourselves that way. Well, I think that's the nature of, of what happened. A lot of the maybe kids that grew up started businesses and uh, maybe they were graffiti writers or maybe they were fans. So when they start their companies, um, they want to hire artists, you know, um, that they understand or they want to help propel because now their brand is taking off and and what have you, and they want to be supportive of a culture that they grew up liking and seeing or were a part of. And it, by doing that, it only excels it, you know? But do you guys think of yourselves as brands? Yeah, I mean... You know, uh, brands to, to, to exploit, but you're doing the exploiting. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, since, since I started learning how to paint really well or whatever with the spray can and all that and decided to make it a full-time career... Um, you know, um, I know in the early 90s, you know, people were saying that you, you can't show graffiti in galleries, no one wants to buy it, uh, it, it belongs on the streets. So that was a really difficult road to try to go down. Um, trying to do murals, you know, pretty much the, 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 the mural, um, uh, the way the mural system works in terms of getting commissioned and all that, 
Um, doesn't really work for, for a young kid who's, who's just getting out and trying to do something. Um, but what ended up happening is companies, you know, um, started approaching us and asking us to do, you know, whatever, um, ads for them or, or T-shirt designs or, or uh, you know, um, print ads, what have you. And, um, you know, I, I got involved in that and I'm still involved in that heavily. And um, now, obviously, I've learned a lot with, and, and I know who to work with and not to work with and the questions I need to ask if I'm going to team up with somebody. Um, but also over the years, what it's basically come down to, I remember someone asked me, who, who, who's, the, who's the brand that you really want to work with? You know, who's that brand? And um, I had never been asked that question before. And when I thought about it, I was like, actually, I don't want to work with any brand. You know, I want to do Man One <laughs> shoes and Man One t-shirts. And that's what I want to do. So if you look at it that way, that's, yeah, that's my brand. You know, that's, you know, I'm not there yet. But, you know, um, so, so when I take on these gigs with these corporate clients at the end of the day, you know, it's a gig, and, and you got to treat it that way. I remember early on, I was like, man, I'm going to do some badass drawings, and I'm going to do this and that, only to realize that they just wanted a watered-down version of, of what somebody else did, you know? And so, um, so now I know, you know what they're looking for, and, and there, there are some really smart, um, you know, uh, uh, companies out there who, who, who do know, what, you know how important it is what we're bringing to the table, but I would say, you know, 90% of them don't. You know, and it's so, so if I'm involved in that, I know I don't, I don't sell my soul to those people. It's a gig, and I do it so that I can continue painting and doing what I really would love to do. Um, you know, so in, 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 I guess, I guess in, in a certain way, um, I understand how, how the game works, you know, and it is a game. Um, and it's also, you know, um, important for me to try to push, you know, who I am and what my beliefs are. And, 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 and you know, I, I've been in this too long. I know too many people to just you know, um, walk away from it. You know? So if, if I could help move the, the, the movement forward, then that's what I want to be part of. You know? mm-hmm. Can I chime in quickly? Yeah. Because what both of you guys are saying is something that I've, I've thought about quite a lot in the last couple of years. And <clears throat> again, this is just an opinion, but I feel like so much of the issue between street art, illegal art, and the community have to, has to do with a language barrier. And when I say that, I'm not talking about English and Spanish. I'm talking about people coming from different ways of thinking and not being able to, not having the same vernacular of speaking. And, and, and this, I've seen this happen in, with collaborations with brands, with advertising, and very much so in the art world. Um, every world has a language. Just like if you, you know, I... I've, within the last five years, I've been doing a lot of work in film, and in order to work in film, I've had to learn a new language. It's like learning Japanese. Like I've had to learn and study this language so that I can communicate with those people that I have to work with in order to do the creative work I'm doing. The art world is the same way. The art world has a language. You can choose to learn that language and participate in that dialogue, or you can choose to stay away from it. And I think... Politics has a language, and I think that the real successful people who have created bridges within you know, the street art community, graffiti community, and politicians are people who have learned to remember who you are, stay who you are, but also learn that you, if you're in Japan, you have to learn how to say hello in Japanese. You know what I mean? It's, and I think that that's a big issue, and it's a big transition that's happening right now with this, with two worlds coming together and learning each other's language. Which I think two worlds? Mainstream 
let's say America for the sake of this conversation and street America, <laughs> you know? And there's, there's this learnt getting to know you moment going on, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's tricky and, you know, and both sides have problems, you know? Right. Being too street can be your death, just like being too square can be your death, you know? It's like you gotta find that middle ground. And I've found that the most successful people, not just financially or in, or in matters of fame, but in matters of really changing society are the people who are able to speak both languages, or at least a little bit of the other language, you know, okay. enough to, to, to enter that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like related to what both of you guys were saying about how, kind of having to do these things, but by doing these things, you kind of you learn new words, you know, and those words end up can help you in other ventures that you might be doing. Well, speaking you know? of words, I think our words are up for this <laughs> time. But I wanted to thank you oh, all for the panel, and we are going to open it up for questions. I have a question for the artists. I'm just wondering if you could speak to sort of the role of women in the culture of street art, and if you feel that women are gaining ground, and if they have sort of a unique voice. Thank you. I, I think for a long time uh, there weren't too many, and then when they do, uh, the ones that do come into it are exalted very highly. Um, uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of things that can kind of happen with that. They have the ability to tear a lot of people apart as well that maybe have... Uh, have relationships and what have you, but I think uh, from what I've I've been uh, seeing as of lately, um, there's a lot more of them, you know, and I think that's a great thing. I, I I think maybe one of the reasons why there weren't too many in the, you know there's they, they've they've always been there. It, it wasn't that they that they haven't. Um, uh, it, it's a difficult sport to play, you know. It, it's 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 um there's a lot of pain there's a lot of struggle there's you know the you know you got to get dirty and you know there's a lot of things that kind of come with it and um and i think maybe now um you know more women want to be involved they want to uh maybe they see that we're having too much fun i i'm i'm not sure um, but I think it's open to everyone, and I think that's, a, that's one of the beauties about it. But if you want it, you basically have to take it because that's the same thing that we did when we wanted to do it. You know, you can't let anyone stand in your way or talk you down. You know, they're going to do that regardless, but you use those things to make you better, and, and you fight your way through it and just keep moving, you know? And, um, and and hopefully the work that you're able to accomplish is you know can, can help inspire and can maybe help change the minds of people that normally didn't feel that that uh, women or what have you weren't accepted into this movement. And when the work can kind of transcend that, I think you've probably you know done a great thing. Do you feel technology has changed uh, the importance of um, hiding behind the name that you, that you write? You know, uh, there's some, you know, high-profile street art people in movies and stuff who all of a sudden, because of Facebook and Twitter, a lot of people seem to know who they really are, where it seemed like at one point it was very important that they didn't know that. And also, um, can you tell us about it when you realize that maybe 
uh, getting paid for what you did was as important or more important than just getting up? When I first started doing graffiti, you didn't, you didn't want anyone to know your name, who you were, your identity, you know, uh, and, and so it was always kept, um, you know, it's like living two worlds, you know, you had your graffiti life and then you had your, your, um, your you know, who you really are day to day or whatever. Um, and that was just because, you know, the, 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 you're trying to stay away from police and from, and from you know, gangs and whatever other issues. Um, but over the years, that's changed because I think of, of technology, the internet is, is, is partly to blame, but also the media. Because now it's like, um, you, know, um, you know, if you can have a sex tape and make a ton of money, then shit, if I'm just going to write my name on the wall, go ahead and see my face, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so it's, you know, I think that has changed a lot, you know? And um, in, in terms of your second question, you know, um, to me, um, when I, as far as, as far as, you know, uh, when you do, when you do uh, anything as a graffiti writer, the way, the way I see it, is you're getting up, you know? So I remember I had, I had someone who told me one time, hey, so when you meet with the people at Coke, does the president of Coke call you man one? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I got up right there. You know? So to me, that's, that's one way of doing it. One of the things that you've talked about is this idea of getting your message out there. And then there's also this idea of kind of mainstream America meeting street America. Um, and some... Graffiti, especially in Berlin, in my experience, is very has very accessible imagery, um, and some is much more difficult to sort of decipher. And I'm wondering how you conceptualize your audience when you're doing a work, and do you think about, you know, who is going to see it on this particular street, or how does that work? Mm -hmm. You want to answer that? Um, I, I I think I've I've been a part of uh, probably both sides of that i've done the uh if you will the ego based one with the crew and just my name and and you know trying to outdo the competition or even my friends and they were trying to do the same thing with me um but the influences were always writing in general whether it was asian calligraphy um uh, ancient hieroglyphics and whatnot and either way however i could incorporate it into my work um, I think uh, it, within the last couple of years, I kind of um, stepped outside of that for a little while and I wanted to kind of do stuff that was a little bit more outside of myself. I wanted to do stuff that was, I always felt that the work was community related regardless. You know, if I was beautifying a wall, I felt like I was doing something. Maybe it was abstract, you couldn't read it, but hey, it might make you smile for, you know, one minute out of your day or 20 seconds. Uh, but now the work uh, that I've been doing lately, um, you know, we did a collaboration with Estevan Orio in downtown where he shot a photograph. We did this for the Jonah Project in Skid Row, and it was a church, uh, unconventional church, and we painted a mural that just glorified and, and, and acknowledged uh, the homeless community in downtown, and I, I get a huge uh, appreciation uh, for doing work like that. We've, we've done work that uh, acknowledges, you know, uh, a gangster maybe that doesn't gangbang anymore but has, still has a beautiful message to convey so um, that can be positive. So I think, um, you know, if, if you can do that, um, it, it, it's great. Um, and, and each person chooses a way to kind of 
do that. Sometimes people have to guide it, you know, and they're inspired by other people. And there is a huge voice that um, you have the, the potential to, to utilize. You know, maybe I had a lot of people that were interested in me just for my graffiti stuff. And then I was able to be like, well, hey, if you like that, you know, now I'm going to do something else that maybe isn't just about me. It's about, you know, just the, the, the normal, the common person that we'd like to exalt. And, and, you know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share this with you. Hi, my name is Norman. And first of all, thank you all for being here. You guys have been great. Um, while, while, while you've been talking, we've been seeing behind you on the screen photos of graffiti and street art in Berlin and Paris and Los Angeles. And I'm just wondering if any of the panelists think there is an L.A. style or school of street art, and if so, how would you describe it or explain it? Uh, well, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier where, you know, there's a history in, in L.A. with gang graffiti that doesn't exist in Berlin or Paris or those cities. Um, so in, in one way, yes, there is a, a, a certain aesthetic or style or whatever, but, but, like, but also graffiti is an individual art form. And so, um, you know, I think also L.A. is very Latino, uh, has a very big Latino history. So influence from Diego Rivera and Siqueiros and, and all that is also very important to us, you know, and also the murals from the, in East L.A. by, you know, streetscapers and, and you know, Pablo Tello and, and Wayne Healy, all these guys, you know, were also influences, you know. So um, I think all that shows up in the work, you know. I know when, when um, uh, I first started seeing graffiti in New York, I remember they used to diss us in L.A. because... You know, we didn't do B-boys, you know, we didn't do uh, uh, certain wild style. Our stuff was too colorful, you know, um, it was just all this weird stuff, you know, and then, and then uh, it was too airbrushy, you know, because people like Slick and Hex were doing these crazy characters that no one had ever tried with a spray can before. So in the sense, I think uh, L.A. is different um, because, um, you know, in L.A. there's a, there's a, there's street, there's surf culture, there's skateboard culture, you know, there's Latino culture, and there's Disneyland, you know? <laughs> so you mix all that, and of course it's different, you know? 